Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Hey everybody, Chance Burles here. Welcome back to Tools for the Toolbox. This is episode 18. And again, I am very excited to bring you this awesome guest and I'm gonna let him take it away. So who are you and what is your military background? Yeah, thanks and uh, good evening, Chance. It was uh, an honor to be on your show. You know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. So uh, for those of you online, you'll probably know me as the Mad Hatter. And then, uh, you know, my official name and title, it's uh, Lieutenant Corey Hat. So uh, I work with the military police. And right now I'm the platoon commander out of uh, 32 MP platoon in Toronto. I've been in the military now since 2002. So coming up on 19 years and uh, really, I guess the most, uh, I guess, serious time that I put in would be for 306. You know, that tour is known for Op Medusa. There is also another op, Baztuka, uh, lesser known, and uh, 309 I also deployed. So my first tour with 1RCR, second tour we uh, deployed again in, uh, as with 3VP for that out of uh, Argandab for the most of the second half of that tour. First half was operating out of the DTF. So anybody deployed in that tour, if you're capturing or detaining Afghan uh, Taliban, or persons of interest, there's a good chance you ran into me, especially uh, if there was a helicopter that landed. So I'd be the person that grabbed them and processed them and transferred them on to the uh, Afghan Secret Service. And we, uh, who knows what happened to them after that. Yeah, well, that is a, uh, man, were you enlisted for the first part in the infantry or were you commissioned? No, I worked up every rank. So I started as a no hook, I had the, uh, you know, corporal for life mentality started off as a turret gunner. I just wanted to be the machine gunner and uh, I really did enjoy that job. So, you know, yeah. the six is like, you know, it's a serious piece of hardware. And I think it's, it's an honor when you're up in the turret, especially the lead vehicle, shooting off vehicles out of the way, or just, you know, the usual warning, uh, you yeah. kind of got a little bit uh, more stricter as the second tour rolled in. We were in RGs by then, but uh, we started out in G wagons, and I didn't finish my PLQ until uh, not too long ago, maybe five or six years, and quickly moved past that to Master Corporal immediately, then Sergeant, and then Platoon Warrant, and then uh, we had my Platoon Commander retire, and they asked me to commission. I had the education, just able to finish in between uh, doing two tours, and then getting onto the teams with the uh, nuclear attack force. So yeah, it's been, it's been a great run from like basically 20 years old, joining the military up to 30 is when I got into the full-time job, which I work now at a Ontario power generation. So the title that I have now it's with emergency preparedness and work as a senior technical officer. So the full title is like senior scientist slash engineer and really, mm. Yeah, what I do is I, I plan drills and exercises uh, for both plants. So I get to operate with uh, all the different work groups and it really, it correlates nicely with what I do with the military. Planning exercises mm -hmm. works really well when you're working in a stressful environment. Uh, 
simulating like a loss of coolant oxygen. For those that aren't familiar with nuclear terms, it'd be like a worst case scenario. And, you know, I'd love to talk nuclear physics. That uh, whole uh, episode you had on inertia really got me the nerd inside me, the brain thinking like, yeah, that's exactly like kind of how when you split the atom, uh, you maintain criticality of reactor, but uh, I won't railroad to a different conversation. We can talk about that offline. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's so you're, let me, refer, let me think. So you're military, you're uh, work at the nuclear plant and you're the Mad Hatter all the same. So you're working three jobs. Plus you have kids. And yeah, well, that's why they call me mad because you go yeah. crazy, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about Mad Hatter then, because we've talked yeah. everything else. So, well, everybody probably knows Mad Hatter Industries. You think of it as an apparel company. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people and what we are. Mad Hatter, the nickname started overseas. And, well, really it started kind of just as a nickname. But uh, what I would say MHI is really it's a community-based initiative it's of like-minded individuals devoted to personal development and the improvement of mental resiliency. So when you think of Mad Hatter Industries, I would think it'd be synonymous with mental health initiatives with all the things we do with all the uh, fundraisers and uh, where we align our proceeds, but also for motivating, helping and inspiring others. And uh, you know, a big thing would be the 30 day challenge that we kicked off, which happened to be just kind of on a whim. It was something I'd started four days earlier on my own, uh, basically mental rewiring. Since we're in lockdown, I spent the holidays basically at home and it already started basically planning what I believe was an optimal lifestyle. So I immediately just took the opportunity instead, you know, what typically we do in the holidays is gorge and drink and go and see all the relatives. <laughs> I stopped everything and just said, well, I don't think alcohol is really conducive to, uh, you know, optimization of lifestyle. And what I really wanted was how to harden my mental resilience. So I have a lot of good people, I'd say mentors that I look up to in the community. It's a really tight knit community that we have. And, you know, yourself and the honey badger crushing those workouts. And uh, you think of the East Coast cowboy. It's 4.45 a.m. posts. I wanted to see what it was like to do that for a week. And then I started thinking more along the lines of what else should I be doing? And I basically cut out all the crap in my diet. I kicked sugar, alcohol, and then all of a sudden five pounds was gone. And then like, okay, well, let's see what else we can do. And then that came the mental initiatives where I'm going to read 10 pages a day. And then, then we started this challenge in Bravo mm -hmm. Kilo was a group of girls, these two police officers that just would uh, message me every day with these inspirational quotes. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, you're, I love your optimism, your positivity. And like, what do you think about a 30 day challenge? And they were immediately all over it. So it kicked off and we, uh, we've been really inspired by everyone jumping on board that's participated in this. Basically, it's not a new year, new year, new me bullshit mm -hmm. mindset. What it is, is you're taking an opportunity to take 30 days. That's 30 opportunities to take the chance to do what you're saying, commit to action, put words to action and yeah. really do what you say you're going to do. So the say it, do it challenge. Funny enough, uh, that slogan I pulled from 
the Ontario Power Generation leadership traits. We have, just like the military, yep. a list of leadership traits. And I kept thinking, like, fuck, if I'm going to do this uh, 4.45 a.m. thing, I'm just going to do it. I said I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then, then it started kicking off other things. And then, then I just called it the Say It, Do It Challenge. And I said, it's not a you, new year, new me thing. Like, this is 30 days. You do it any time. Yep. And, you know, it really kind of brought back to me what Mad Hatter Industries is. It's more of an idea. So the apparel is a plus, And I really do enjoy it. You've probably seen, I've made some videos for the Canadian Walk for Veteran mm -hmm. Shirts. Uh, it's a way to spread a message. Like the shirts that we have that are the most popular, no quarter given. That's a basic mindset and statement about suicide prevention, not allowing the daily beasts that basically uh, hang out on your shoulder, cast them aside, cast them overboard, this proverbial pirate ship and don't let it uh, run your life. Mm -hmm. And then memento mori, we know that we're going to die. There's no denying that. And for those faith-based individuals, yeah, there's a 99, you know, 0.9% chance that we're going to die regardless. You think there, there could be a savior that comes to take you. And that's what we like to believe, but so far, everyone's died. <laughs> yeah, so, so far. <laughs> yeah. No. And you know, people should take that into uh, like some form of comfort that the fact is, you really need to embrace each day, the present, because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring and dwelling on the past more than just learning the lesson and moving on is, you know, too much. Let it go, learn the lesson and then dwell in the present, focus where your feet are at and then do what you can and make it memorable because really that's what we'd like MHI to be is something that is embraced by the community and their mindset. And it goes on beyond that. And that one day, when I move on that it's still onwards and moving into bigger and greater things. And that's exactly what we do with our community. Like we've brought in certain advocates that I'm super proud of what they've gone on to do. And uh, we work with people, we incubate them and uh, help them move into ventures that they'd like to start new business initiatives. Uh, Giselle, like she's one of our, basically our chief advocate for MHI. She started a podcast and, we talked about it a while, about ideas that she wanted to do. And I'm really proud of her to put those statements to action and to see her carry forward in the community. And I know how committed she is to mental health. And uh, we've all talked about struggles that we deal with. And we have Sydney Weaver, who's an extremely passionate, you know, dedicated member of the community. It's not that she's a veteran, but she definitely has that, you know, warrior mindset and a beautiful person just the things that uh you can tell she's well-intentioned and all she wants is the best for everyone and that's exactly the people we align with and it brings us up and in turn i hope that reflects upon the military community and in general like that's the mindset we're trying to build a foundation here where we rebuild each other up and help each other out because that's how you're going to get ahead in life is by helping others and in uh, turn yeah. like Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say, like those those people that you learn from, we try and we try and uh, teach those lessons back. So the things that I pick up and lessons I learned from, say yourself, and uh, you know, Dave Ward, he's a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve, and there's always lessons to be learned and shared. And that's what I think with that community based initiative is 
with MHI is something to share and grow. But yeah, we I'd say we're like-minded individuals working on mental resiliency with a clothing addiction. Like yeah. I love the plaid and uh, the things that I create. The intention is to make it the best quality apparel that people feel that they can uh, represent our brand and feel comfortable wearing. So like that undershirt that you wore overseas, you remember that? I still have it. I fucking love it. That's, that's the idea, right? It's not this Gildan and crap. And uh, yeah. when you think of like cheap, crappy shirts, it's because Gildan has these $1 shirts that are worn once, but they, they do have a higher quality shirts. You know? Yeah. Well, the ones so, you guys made for, uh, for the walk were fantastic and they're like super soft yeah. and really light and super breathable at like, I've, I actually have to keep telling myself not to wear it because I'll wear it out. And then like, you won't wear like, yeah, you will eventually, I guess you wore it every day, but that's the gold standard. The tri-blend is my favorite shirt. Mm-hmm. And there's, we could talk the intricacies of apparel, but when uh, you gave me that honor, you know, that was the intent, make the best quality apparel for this walk. And uh, it was also a skill I learned. So that's why I didn't make any money off it. I wanted to just do it at cost because my silk screening game sucked. I'll be honest. I had some shirts that did not turn out. And then I also had to send some new shirts out to some customers that I just didn't realize that thin line around the logo. Mm-hmm. That was a big learning opportunity for me. And uh, I stood behind the brand for hundred percent customer satisfaction and taking the Canadian walk for veterans to task to, yeah. uh, you know, basically support this initiative. I wanted to make sure that uh, I put my money where my mouth was and provided a quality shirt. And I'm sure that's going to continue forward with the uh, next person you choose next year to do that. And I think Dave Ward would be, uh, he's spooling up some really exciting things coming down the pipe. So it's quite possible that maybe, who knows what we're going to do for next year. But yeah. uh, I know it was something that was a game changer because you engaged veterans across Canada and uh, it was just a really awesome initiative and, you know, super humbling to be a part of. So, well, that's the whole point, right? Uh, what I, what I want to do with the walk is create um, a forum. Basically I, I want the, uh, I want people to think of the walk as the place to go just, you know, if you have any questions, if you're, um, you know, you want to promote your own business, you want to, uh, you know, reach out and see some old friends, you want to hang out with some cool people, like, I want that to be the walk. I want everybody like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, when people say, oh, I'm going to the walk this year, are you going? That's the walk they're talking about, right? <laughs> because I want it to be so synonymous with the veteran community, with veteran businesses, with veteran stuff is that we have so much to 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 give. And I talked about this with Dave on, uh, I think it was episode 12, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it was. I listened to yeah. it. I think it was and 12. We were talking about, um, you know, why we have this new renaissance of the veteran community because we have people are making shirts, we've got people making knives, we've got people um, opening up businesses and doing all kinds of cool, crazy stuff to help each other and build a brand. And I was like, this is like the samurai, right? We are we're not just warriors. We are warrior poets. We are warrior philosophers. We are warrior artisans, right? Gardeners. You know, we are, it's the the point where we were afraid of death. And this leads into memento mori, just like you're saying, the part that we were afraid of that before 
coming in very close contact with it and having a lot of experience with it, you, uh, you know, your mind is taken up by that. If you, if you have no experience with death, your mind is being taken up by it. So it actually fills up a part of your uh, psychological capital. I like to use that term, but it uses a bunch of it just to worry about it. And when you're stopped being worried about it, that opens up your brain to anything and everything and having, you know, these, the whole reason I started the podcast is these style of conversations where we can just talk and be creative and come up with new answers to old questions and come up with new questions that had old answers. And yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. But one of the things that uh, really brought me to you specifically when I was looking for, you know, who do I come to do the, do the shirts? Cause there's a few apparel build, uh, there's a few apparel companies out there, veteran apparel companies out there. Uh, but your social media uh, footprint was quite large and it had developed quite well. So I wanted to talk specifically about social media because not only is it a great tool to like, I use it for the walk. I use it. Yeah. I mean, you use it for Mad Hatters and all the other initiatives that we're working on, but how do you find the niche, right? Like how do you look at a, a market and say, you know, the apparel built, the apparel market is there. It's, super saturated yeah yeah it's saturated to a point but how do i find the niche within that saturated market and then yeah well that's a great question you know it's really interesting you talk about uh organic reach like social media and there's a few points i want to touch on there i think really how you do find your niche is you find your passion and deep down mine is in helping people i really like motivating and working with people that actually brought me to a job I had before I got off the teams at uh, Ontario Power Generation. I used to be on the TAC teams, and then I moved into something called performance improvement, and human performance was another thing we worked with. But uh, it's really a passion of mine, and I think that's really what helped connect with our community because we've only been around for a year. We're coming up on two years in July, but uh, there has been a lot of success, largely in part to really uh, trying to reach out and connect with each person that follows us to basically get to know them and then, uh, you know, tell them a bit about what are we are initiatives. Also ask, you know, is there anything we can do? And uh, if there's anything that you need, feel free to reach out. And I always actually, maybe not a lot of people know this, but every order or purchase that's done through Mad Hatter Industries, there's a personal letter that's written by me. And I do try to reach out and tell them a little bit who I am. And also, if there's anybody that needs to connect or talk, the whole idea behind MHI was we were going to be a conduit. And I hope we, we are and we achieve that aim because the ultimate effect and the reason why MHI came into fruition was through a few suicides that uh, some friends of mine had gone through. And that was the initiative the whole no quarter given and the idea behind that at our industries was suicide prevention and then opening up the door to having people discuss issues that they're facing and dealing with and advocating for professional help. So there's a lot of discussion on how to treat symptoms. And uh, I feel a little uneasy when there's this cannabis thing that jumps on. I don't know enough about it, but uh, I do think that a medicinal benefits are definitely derived from this plant 
but the importance is to seek help and also accountability for the need to talk. And what Mad Hatter Industries is, is essentially that person on the side, if they want to, I always have the open door policy, just like the way that I lead the platoon. If anybody wants to reach out to me, what we like to be is, you know, that uh, coffee cup on the front porch or that beer in the backyard in the garage to just sit and listen or not say anything just to be there, but also possibly be that stepping stone to get you the help you need and pushed in that direction. Mm-hmm. Once you take action and accountability, it's hundred percent up to you, but uh, you're talking about the social media as a conduit. And I really keyed in on your last podcast when you're talking about the experiences that are passed on from generation to generation, which I think exactly what yourself and like-minded veterans like us do is in part that wisdom and knowledge we've been through around that campfire, the proverbial campfire. Mm-hmm. You're sitting overseas on X, you know, for uh, good exercises, regardless of the uh, what orders you're given for if a fire can occur or not. It seems <laughs> to happen and uh, good leadership will make that happen, right? Yep. So that's where the stories come. And those were the, uh, the time for real healing comes out. And what I think social media has become now is that conduit. I totally agree that what we're experiencing now is that proverbial campfire where we can reach out. People don't feel threatened. They can message you anytime. You can do face-to-face video chats. Instagram Mm -hmm. is the ultimate platform now to really amplify those messages and get that help that's needed, especially in times that we're dealing with now with COVID and the lockdown uh, in isolation, in the reality that we're dealing with, there is a silver lining that I like to see in every opportunity. And that is the advantages and benefits of social media connecting us like-minded individuals and the community to help protect the flock and the herd and reach out to those in need and have them known that they're protected and they're uh, always have that opportunity to reach out. So I think this is a really great opportunity and, that's also, I guess, part of the strategy of MHI is to continue to be that beacon in the darkness and also surround ourselves with like-minded people because you can start a hundred fires in different locations and those will start other fires, but that's really how you brighten up this world yeah. and continue that fire going. Because if you see other fires in the cold night, far away in the mountaintop, it's a lot warmer when you know that somebody's nearby. Yeah. And you're, you're drawn to it right? Where it's like, like a moth to a flame, right? If you're walking around the bush and you see a fire and you're like, Ooh, a fire. That's right. (laughs) Right? Go take a look, see what's over there. And the other part of it is, is that, uh, what I, what I love about the, the proverbial fire is that it takes work, right? If anybody's ever started a fire, they know how much work it fucking takes. (laughs) When it's damp and it's cold, you know, a lot of food, a lot of energy, but when you get that going, Oh, Again, yeah. the same the physical, uh, the physics of inertia. You keep it going. It's a lot easier to stoke that fire than start a cold. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, pass yeah. on a coal, you know, to a friend that needs that warm ember to start their own fire. What yeah. we want to do is inspire these other veterans to start their initiatives, their passions. What is it that makes them truly happy? What they want to do, and let's incubate them and help them out. Yeah, and you know, I think the real the real challenge in this, at least that's what I found is managing that evolution, right? Because we have to, 
we can't just say <clears throat> what's the uh uh the term you know you can feed a man you can feed a yeah, man fit, can, for whatever you know give him out a fish you can fish. feed him for a day there you go teach him to fish yeah. you you'll feed him for his lifetime and it's the same thing with the proverbial fire right i can give you the ember but yeah. if you don't know what to do with it, and you're just like taking amber in your hand, it's going to burn your fucking hand. You're like, what the fuck is this? I don't want that shit. Right. If you're ready for it, if you're, uh, you're like, I want to change. I want to be warm. I want to take what you have and use it. Uncoil the spring. Exactly. Mental yeah. health, uh, tension. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I alluded to it in uh, the, the inertia uh, episode was that you have to decide. It, there has to be a decision and say, I am going to change. And this is what I love about the, uh, the initiative that you put forward, the 30 day thing. And I was like, <clears throat> you know, I have been slacking. And that was the big, like, I've literally been letting myself get fat. And I realized that that is a decision, right? I am not deciding in, when I say I am, I'm letting myself get fat. I'm deciding to not work out. I am deciding to not go to the gym. And now I can't go to jujitsu, but that doesn't mean I can't work out, right? I can't go to the the gym itself. But that doesn't mean I can't work out. That doesn't like there's millions of videos on YouTube on workouts, on yogas, on stretching routines, on fuck you name it, right? Whatever it is that you want to do, you can find a video for it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> or that's hundred percent why I started. I looked in the mirror one day. I'm like. Fuck, I'm fat. Nobody <laughs> fucking told me this. How did this happen? And they're like, I know exactly yeah. how it happened. It started with one bad action and a series of consequential events that led to me thinking it's fine to down a bag of Doritos. Yeah. And like, I love desert Doritos. You know, it's just one of those Afghan things that brought me safe. And, you know, the food yeah. is one of the big comforts when you get back from patrol that you enjoy. But I, uh, I had that mentality like I was actually in shape. Because mm -hmm. I show up to a workout at the CrossFit gym and work out for an hour, I'm fine. I can do whatever I want. And it's not true. Like, I'm 100% countable for my actions. And the actions will lead the results that direct how I want to live. Yeah. And that's what really led to that mental rewiring. And looking up to people like uh, the East Coast Cowboy that looks like Rolo from Vikings. The guy looks like he's seven foot tall and you know, just chiseled out of granite. And they're like, yep. well, I want to be more like that. How does that work? And then like reaching out to him and talking to him. And originally it started about motorcycles, like way, probably about a year ago. Cause another passion of mine next to sourdough baking and t-shirt printing is motorcycles. And I'm also part of a so you motorcycle. Got enough, you, you don't, you've got enough to do right now, right? Yeah. It's just, <laughs> you just go where I guess the passion is. And uh, on that topic, you know, I'm really excited about a project that I'm working on now with uh, Crooked Clubhouse in Memphis Shades on mm -hmm. a new project with this old bike that I have. And the bike is the same year as when I got back from my first tour. It's an 07 Night Train, which is like for Harley owners listening there, it's basically the Great White Unicorn. It's a yeah. fucking beautiful bike. And we're going to make this thing into something that's an absolute work of art. So anybody that's listening in the GTA area, Black Forest Customs is the uh, bike uh, mechanic there. And if you're not following Crooked Clubhouse or Memphis Shades, you guys definitely should, especially mm -hmm. if you ride a motorcycle. Like they are, Crooked Clubhouse is basically the Cadillac standard for style. Mm -hmm. And in Memphis Shades, 
everybody should know the parts, but uh, I'm really excited to start outlining that and then get it out to some veteran rides. There's, you know, a few veteran uh, clothing companies coming out there. Sean Arniston's working on a brand. Everyone probably knows who he is. And, uh, you know, I've talked to Ob Medusa as well about some fundraisers. But uh, I think, you know, motorcycling is one of those things that I think a lot of veterans align with because it's a feeling of freedom. And yeah. it's also a bit of a thrill rush when you're riding this. You would, you would uh, understand this analogy as a sapper, mm-hmm. having a flammable container of liquid between your legs going a ridiculous speed <laughs> is almost as dangerous as trying to go in and blow up an RG that's been you know, yeah. given 15 minutes to stick it full of C4. It's just yeah. a thrill. It's a rush. It makes you feel alive. So Yeah, I've always wanted a bike. I've uh it's one of those things I've never gotten to. And it's you know, I got I got two kids and the wife and the car and the truck and like the stand I realized the other day that I was like, I am straight up a white middle class dude. <laughs> just 2. like 2.5 kids 2.5 kids i got the i got yeah, the, yeah. yeah it just i realized the other day and i was like oh shit like i really yeah. am one of those people <laughs> well it's the flip with uh social media where like i we talked about how great it is right mm-hmm. it can also be detrimental when you're oh, yeah. trying to like if you aren't focusing on where you are and looking at everybody else so why they have so many followers or like it's unrealistic kind of interpretation of other people's lives but what motorcycling does is takes that all away. When you're riding that motorcycle, it's not a point A to point B. It's all about the destination. And it's a metaphor for life. Mm-hmm. It's not often the end point. It's more about the journey that takes you there. You're experiencing everything on that bike and there is extreme joy. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit of danger, but uh well, same riding as, in the rain. You same know? as riding on a horse, man. The you oh, know, when 100%. you're when you're Fully, full on gallop on a horse you're not really in control <laughs> you're yeah. you're kind of in control but mostly it's the horse right like it's yeah, you're just on for the ride yeah and uh you know one of the things i love about uh working with uh, horses in general is just how little control you have and like it, it forces you to really understand that first off you know, we are very squishy as people right? and yeah, you know a, squishy folk yeah a, a 16 1700 pound horse if he does not want to do what you want him to he ain't gonna do it right not no amount of force that i give is gonna get that horse to do what he wants unless i hurt him and in which case sometimes the horse is gonna run you the fuck down which that'll happen, i can right? relate I, uh i'm a country boy that grew up uh, on a farm on weekends i'd be pushing feed in summers uh bill and hay mm-hmm. but my first experience with a horse was not pleasant it was i just fucking watched a cartoon i'm like how hard can it be i tried yeah. jumping on the thing super easy i got half over the horse before that thing bucked me off and I remember who right near my head i didn't try going near a horse after that i i dated a girl that rode horses that was yeah. as close as i got <laughs> to it again but, uh, <laughs> yeah the equine therapy it's 100 percent like you're totally uh, right. And I think, you know, first and foremost, uh, Ken Proxis comes oh, yeah. to mind and the work that they do. And, you know, Wounded Warriors, they're here based out of my hometown. Uh, well, not hometown, but where I live now in uh, the Durham region. And they also deal with equine therapy. And there's, you're definitely right. Yeah, that last podcast, you talked about how they sense your, uh, your 
basically your emotions and yep. your calm. You have to, it's actually crazy when you think of strapping, you know, that dead piece of animal on top of an animal and calming it down enough to get on its most sensitive side yep. and ride that thing. It's, it's fucking crazy when you think about it. Yeah, it was the, that was the way it was described to me uh, the first time I heard it. And I was just like, oh my God, yes. I had never once even imagined that I was taking a dead skin dyed tanned animal and putting it on the back of a horse and yet that's exactly what you're doing and they it still smells like it right it's leather they know what that smells like they know what sheepskin smells like they understand that that is not natural and you're literally throwing that on their back and then you're going to jump on that on their back which is where they have no vision and are at their absolute weakest point and i realized also that you know they live in a constant state as prey animals, yeah. same thing as we did overseas, right? If you're moving from point A to point B, you're threatened at all times. And that's how you have to live, right? People are trying to kill me. What do I do? And you have to live as if every single person around you is trying to kill you, which is a horrible way to live, but that's how you survive. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's not fun. But, you know, to your point uh, in social media wise, it is a fine line right? Like if you are around the people, uh, you follow the right people and it looks, you know, uh, follow yourself or Dave or um, even like uh, Jody Minnick and, um, you know, the, the leaders of the community right now, yeah. they're, they're positive and they're, they're constantly like, yeah, we got to push this. We got to get harder. We got to get stronger. We got to get better. We got to, we can't just sit on our laurels and be like, yeah, I went to war. Cool. Fuck. We're done. Yeah. Right? Like that's, you can't do that with your life. There's the, the guys that didn't come home deserve better than that. Right. And 100%. it is, but it's also a fine line because if you follow the wrong people, you will be a bitter, angry, pissed off human being. And you, there's no real good reason why you'll just be that guy. Right. And yeah. And you hit the nail on the head. Like you got to check your fucking ego at the door forget about where you were in the past at your highlight like yeah we missed fucking deploying because we were fucking awesome we were we were rocking and rolling and we we did some kick-ass shit as mm -hmm. canadians taking over the whole southern ao was a huge monumental task and we should be proud for what we've done and for those afghan vets i'm talking about the vets outside the fucking wire doing the job every day mm -hmm. yeah i know people stuck in calf you did your job too great yeah you got the same, you know, you got the same uh, campaign star and you did do a job. Everyone should be recognized for it, but you got to realize where you're at now, like check your ego and stop dwelling on the past mm. and using it as a crutch to be an asshole. You know, you really have to work with others. And I personally came back with a bit of a chip on my shoulder, being a bit of combat and getting some trigger time. And mm. I thought it was pretty badass. And you know what? When I went through selection, I fucking got laid out. I was uh, 215 pounds jacked. And I thought that was, you know, the epitome of fitness. And then when I went for CP, I fucking found out pretty quick how cardio is king. And I got my ass handed to me. And just because out of like sheer, I guess, stubbornness, we made it through and uh, onto the course. But I went from... 215 pounds to like 165 wow. after six weeks in Blackwater. And uh, that was a fucking tough course. And it was really humbling. And uh, 
had to eat some real humble pie there and realize that I am not as tough as I thought I was or as badass. I'm not a fucking badass. I'm just mm-hmm. been given a lot of unique opportunities that otherwise normal people would uh, go through extraordinary circumstances to forge the fire of who they become. And I don't dwell on it, but I certainly appreciate the lessons that it taught me, especially those instructors over in Blackwater. And, you know, the people I went with on course, we uh, started a motorcycle club with, and the majority of them, I think that's what really keeps me so close to the motorcycle community is that brotherhood, you know, and I've almost died more than once on the motorcycle. I got severe heat stroke in Austin, Texas. I rode basically over a thousand miles in three days down to Austin, Texas. And basically <laughs> it felt like the earth was on fire and we got there and yeah. 200 bikes rolling down the road, down to Waco, Texas. We get an aggressive road captain go right in the back of a Honda CRV and I'm already cooked. I'm experiencing heat, severe heat exhaustion. The day before my best friend just collapses from the heat as we're like pulled up for fuel. But uh, I just never gave up the passion and joy of riding motorcycles. It took me a long time to get back on the saddle. Mm-hmm. And that's your horse is just like a horse, like anything else, except you're unleashing, you know, instead of one horse, 110 cubic inches of fury <laughs> and uh, it's unbridled passion. And you just really got to respect the power of it, but also know your limits. And I went way past that. And I thought pushing myself mentally, I could just forge through it. And that actually broke me. And it was very humbling. I think you really got to embrace your failures to uh, be able to approach things with the same wavering level of optimism to move past things. And maybe things look easy when you see things from uh, a point of view, when you're looking at social media and experiencing people's stories or like, you see somebody working out and they're ripped with abs. You don't know the work that it took and the struggle that they're going through. You're seeing a polished effect. What you don't see in the background is like the duck that paddles feverishly underneath the water. Yeah. Uh, above the surface, it looks calm and composed. But the day-to-day anxieties that they deal with, the struggles with depression and suicidal thoughts are things that need to be you know, taken care of professionally, but also you know, really watched over and you got to be very careful about the uh, tracks that you pick and choose because I think as veterans, we thrill seek and we Mm -hmm. spin ourselves up more and more and more. And we just don't know how to come back down to find that calm, to find that garden that any warrior can uh, touch ground and connect back to earth again. It's different ways to do that, but you have to, and you can't just do everything you want. You, You can do anything, but you can't do everything. You got to pick and choose. Yeah. So that's well, where that it's the same thing when you're, when you're coming up with a plan, right? If I'm going to do a recce, I can't recce every objective. There's no, there, that's the reason why we have sections, right? One section is going to yeah. recce this objective. Three sections are going to recce that objective. Two sections going to be on uh, patrol duty and, <clears throat> or like on defense. And then four sections are going to hang out and get some rest, right? You have to do that because not everybody can do everything. And it's the same thing for us. <clears throat> when you do your uh, uh, your time study, right? Like how much time is this going to take? Well, I got an hour for orders. I got an hour for that. I got 15 minutes for this, blah, blah, blah. You can work it out in your head. This is how long it's going to take. But if you say, oh, I can pound out our, uh, you know, a set of orders in 15 minutes. Well, those orders are going to be A, either shit or incomplete, right? That's just silly. You can't, 
you can't also at the same time look at somebody and be like, man, if I had all that time, I could be jacked like, you know, David Goggins. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you, you know what? You do have that time. It's just being spent doing other stuff because we all have the same 24 hours in a day. We all yeah. have the same 365 days in a year. And if you want to look like that, you got to work to get there. You got to put in, okay. you know, the nutrition, the constant watch on what you're eating, the, be the awareness of how you're lifting. You have to have the right kind of rest. You have to have, like, there's so many different things. And the other part of it is maybe your body isn't built to look like that, right? Maybe your metabolism is not built so that you have a 12 pack. Yeah. Set okay. clear, realistic <laughs> expectations. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head there. And for those fucking listening, uh, those that are on their phones distracted while you're spending all that time on your phone, put that fucking phone down, do some burpees, some push-ups, sit-ups. Those are non-gym related equipment that you can do for free anytime. If you're spending all that time in social media, spend some time on yourself yep. doing something that will benefit you. Put that phone down, open, open a book up, or just pay attention to what we're saying here because there's some good valuable lessons that are learned the hard way because depression does magnify when you eat like shit, when you're hungover or you're in some haze of whatever it is that you've gone down the spiral of, you're not going to feel great. No. And you know, I said it in the, uh, <clears throat> the inertia podcast too, was that it is, you know, it's a choice, but the other thing you have to look at is everything is a tool, right? Like I, I use CBD for pain right? Because yeah. I got fucked up shit, whatever. But I don't sit there stoned all day, right? I, I use THC for anxiety when I am really, really jacked up. You know, yeah. it, is, it is a last resort. It's my, okay, shit's fucked up. I'm yelling at my kids. I need to calm down. Cool. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely therapeutic. It's a plant that's been around for years, but it should be moderated, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. Uh, and yeah, same, I've, I've, same as everything I else, think, though, right? Like, same as this beer, same as yep, right. uh, same as going out, same as actually exercising. You, if you exercise too much, your body rejects it, right? You'll get rhabdo. If you yep. sleep too much, you'll get bed sores. If you fuck it, like anything, everything is a balance. There is a line that you can find that it will work for you. Like I am, I'm a night hawk, right? I, I am up at night. I am not good at mornings. I never have been. I managed to be throughout my time in the military. I can handle it, but I'm not a morning person. I know people that woke up at, you know, four o'clock in the morning. They're like, fuck yeah, let's get it on. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, that's, that sounds like no. a psychopath to me. I'll <laughs> be ready to go. I'm like, but so some, easy and tired, but you're right. Some people are like that. And that's their tool, right? Yeah. Use that tool, use it to the best of your ability. You can get up in the morning and do stuff when everybody else is asleep. Cool. I'm going to be up at the end of the night when everybody else is asleep working through the night because that's how my body works. And then I'll wake up slightly later than you, right? Like it, everybody's got the, their own little finickety area, but the, the real trick I find is the days that nothing works, right? The days that you are all fucked up and Where do you find that motivation. Yeah. And not only the motivation, but just the will. Right. Cause the motor, you can get motivated and be like, yeah, I'm going to get, go do something. And you sit up and your back goes, Oh fuck. Nope. Nope. And then you got to sit down and it is a, Oh man. It, I tell you, it rests with my mind regularly because when 
you sit there going, I know I'm capable. I know yeah. I'm capable. I could totally do this. I just don't want to. I just don't have the desire, the will, the fucking, um, you know, that depressive slide starts to kick in and then everything starts to go down and your, you know, your posture gets worse and you're, you stop drinking as much water. You stop doing the, uh, the exercises in the day. But what, what do you do in those particular times when those days kick in? How do you kick yourself in the ass? Because that's really, you know, that's what you got to do. <laughs> Yeah. And to be honest, like, just like you broke down that analogy before we started of the shockwave, when there's an explosion that goes off, there's a, uh, everything has an equilibrium or a flow where it's an up and a down. Mm -hmm. And it's important to acknowledge those feelings when you're there, you're never going to always be on a high or super motivated and motivation itself is fleeting. So really, how do you get past that when you don't have it and it's gone? And that's a great question for everybody to answer themselves and put pen to paper and write those feelings and thoughts and journal them. To me, it's action, repetitive action, regardless of how I feel, I'll still do what I set out to do and commit to action. What those ideas were. And even when I'm not feeling like it, it's a fleeting thing, but motivation will come back, but it's also important to acknowledge those lows and be wary of your equilibrium when it gets past that zone where it's uncomfortable and it goes even lower and there's a problem to acknowledge that and have people around you that can recognize that. And just like you stated, the medicine that we utilize to help moderate our lives, it's important to do within moderation, which those limits only you yourself know. And it's kind of a lot like uh, you're going to like this analogy if you understand the basics of nuclear physics is essentially how do you keep something continuing on at the right level to do what you need to achieve in the way we operate reactors. There's a lot of different variables. Sometimes you're putting in control rods to just keep it at a right amount of level. But it's it's also the way you run your life. There are other factors. Sometimes you have to withdraw and adjust and move in different areas to relieve the pressure and or add more when it's needed to motivate you to get things going. But it's also really important to take that downtime and recognize that downtime when you need that rest and the body's just had too much. And there's those lessons and the body's telling you messages that it's important to acknowledge. And also know when it's time to stop dwelling on it and moving on and seeking that help as well if you need to, mm -hmm. to uh, get moving and get started again. But know as well when things are cold and they look dark that there are embers out there floating around, you know, in the darkness waiting for you to pick up or be brought to you with the request to light your fire again and get you moving. And we have those sentinels out there yourself, you know, uh, we have Grant, you know, Honey Badger does a lot of good positive yep. mental resiliency mindset things. Dave Morrow has his hard to kill oh, podcast. Yeah. What makes awesome. hard to kill. Yep. A lot of good things. And then you have the passion from Dave Ward. He has, you know, there's, there's a lot of advocates out there that are looking to actively seek and engage with you as required. Like Dave is one of those people, even if we don't see eye to eye, I know he'd give me the shirt off his back. Like he's just one of those solid people, no matter what, you know, yeah. as spicy as he gets, he'll uh, always give you the shirt off his back. He's a hundred percent hurt. 
one of the things I, I've noticed about the military mindset, and I think what a lot of guys miss is that it, mm-hmm. it is the knowledge that you can hate each other and you still take around for each other, right? Like it, yeah. it doesn't matter that you guys, well, we, we did the same thing and now we're, you know, we look for it. We, we, you're out and you're like, man, I, I really missed the camaraderie. I missed the, the blah, blah, blah. But I think what it is, is that feeling of just the, there's no, yeah, exactly. And it, there's no thought on it, right? You don't need to worry about the people around you because they got me. And then it frees up more of your mind, as I was saying earlier too, right? Like it just, it opens up your mind to more stuff, to more possibilities, to more whatever we can think of. And um, one of the things I love about the community is that as we're growing, you see a lot of, you know, those guys, as we said about earlier, right? (laughs) You know, those guys, and you're like, man, why can't we all just get along? Why can't we all just, just like move forward? Yeah. And whatever. Well, Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, if a sniper and a meathead can get along, it's hard to, you know, say why other people can't. But it's really like, you're absolutely right. Why do we tear each other apart instead of building each other up? And think about the things that we can do together instead of the opposite. Like, there are amazing talents out there. Look at Mjolnir with his yeah. uh, leatherworking skills. Like, he could make an immaculate you know, pair of anything. Like if you want patrol boots that are basically going to let you sneak up to the enemy at night, he knows how to do it. And he puts his heart and soul into it and talk about the passion and creativity and the stuff that he can do and the videos that he pulls. It's incredible to see and inspiring to see Mm -hmm. all the different things that come out of here with uh, the online community, which is really the benefit of what Instagram can do. Like right now, I would say, hands down it's the it's got the attraction of everybody's attention it's the darling of the world right now it's also probably super like you know i guess for facebook it's very profitable for them but there's a lot of benefits you know we can utilize this when have you ever seen in history of canadian veterans being able to just connect like this and what can we do more how can we help connect even more so well, that's this, the question and the challenge, right? This is what uh, the Legion was supposed to be, right? This was yeah. the, it was the meetup point. It was where <clears throat> you would, you know, you haven't seen guys for 10, 15, 20 years and all the people from the farms come in and, you know, you hang out at the Legion, everybody dances and drinks and has a great time and reminisces and blah, blah, blah. That was the original idea, right? It was a place for vets to go to actually be together. And yeah. nowadays we don't really need a place to be together, right? We have the availability of the technology to just, like I've talked to, since I started this challenge, I'm on what, day nine now, something like that. <laughs> I'm horrible <laughs> at keeping track of these things. Anyway. Um, yeah, you're on you know, day nine. One of, my, um, one of my objectives was to reach out to somebody every day. And I've talked to a, a, dozen, a dozen plus dudes that I haven't talked to in years, yeah. right? And it's just, it's such a, um, a great thing to remind myself, Hey man, just good or bad. Doesn't matter. Right. You don't need a reason to reach out to them. They're there. Like I done. Right. And again, the, you know, the phone, it's a tool, the, uh, the social media, it's a tool <clears throat> being able to have a nice cold beer at the end of a hard day. It's a tool. It is a relaxation aid, right? It is a, whatever it is, but it's not a, um, 
when you start to become dependent on something, when you start to have have to have it in order, to, like you said, uh, it was funny in November, I randomly, I, I reached into the, I looked in the fridge and I saw there was no beer and I was like, fuck, I could really use a beer right now. And I was like, do I, do I really need a beer right now? And I was like, you know, yeah. the answer is usually yes, but yeah. Well, the thing was, it's <laughs> like, I was like, I don't really need a You're beer. Right. Like I really want one, but I don't exactly. need one. And why do I want one? Because it became a habit. It was every night I would come home, I would have a beer with dinner and then I would have one later in the night, right? I'm not drinking a lot, but it's just such a habit. And then I realized I was continually buying beer because the habit was there, right? I had bought into that habit and I was continually buying beer. So I'd always have two a night and that was just the way it was. And then I was like, why? Why the fuck am I doing this? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm just, I'm not going to drink beer anymore. And, and that became, you know what? I'm just not going to drink alcohol for a while just to see if I can stop because (laughs) it's became such a habit. And so, yeah, you know, month and a half, something like that. I was just like, okay, cool. Like, I don't feel like I need a beer, but I'm going to go get some because I'm beside the liquor store. Right. Like, so I was able to, as this challenge is to rewire that process where I would come home and I'd have a beer with dinner and then I would uh, have one later in the evening. I rewrote that script. I was like, cool. Now I still enjoy beer. So I went out and got beer, but I removed the second nature-ness to it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I totally agree. And I'm like, you know, it's probably something not a lot of people know, but I'm actually a part owner of a brewery in uh, Bob Cajun. But again, we talk about the, uh, the random things that I do, like I don't do enough. Right. But, uh, I'm very passionate about craft beer as well. Like I love making something that's a good quality product, but you're right. If you're going to, it shouldn't be something that you should be reliant upon, but it's, you know, I, I am also the mentality where I think wine is a grocery item. I think it's good to have, you know, every now and then with a, a meal or at night after the kids have gone down, in moderation, but it shouldn't be something reliant upon. And this brings me to another point, wants versus needs or assets versus liability. We have mindsets as, as everybody does. Sometimes it needs to be recalibrated. Do I want it or do I need it? Is it something I must have? And it's also a big problem that really kind of is indicative of where we're heading now as an economy where People have things misunderstood. You know, a brand new truck isn't necessarily an asset. It depreciates by half the value to drive it up the lot. Did you really need that brand new truck? And sure, yeah, if you can justify it, great. But it's, again, it's the mindset. And that whole mental challenge, that rewiring, doesn't have to be something like super hard or sexy. Like, oh, I'm going to fucking get this bit or lift a truck off my back. Like, you could just learn French or something new. Reaching out to someone is probably like one of the coolest attributes you can add to that mental rewiring because it's a selfless act that could save lives or change people's lives in a way that you don't even know when you send out that ripple that shockwave it reverberates just like if you smile at someone versus scowl or i have an aggressive profile when i'm driving on the highway and i'm really like you know it's something that you try and shed but you know, when you're driving RGs and knocking uh, 
uh, vehicles, like it's a game of Donkey Kong. It's a really tough thing to lose, especially yep. if you're pitting cars out in Blackwater. So, yeah. or like say example, and you're in Barbados and somebody tries to rob you and you end up uh, pitting out the truck. Who knows? This is all hypothetical, but yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, there's <laughs> a thing that like you live with. So it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's such a great point too, because you know, we live, we are creatures of habit, right? we like habit. So as yep. I said in the inertia podcast, right? Get the ball rolling, right? If you want to be fit, you have to, you have to start the habit of being fit, right? If you want to eat right, you have to begin the habit of eating right. It's not something that you can just, like you can just start it, sure. But that's why it's hard. It becomes a grind everything yeah. does right it doesn't matter what it is you there's going to be a grind portion to it and you know i always hear the uh, the old trope that do what you love and you'll never work another day in your life and i was like fuck that noise because it doesn't matter what you do there's always going to be a day where you're like fuck right <laughs> i don't want to do this anymore or but it'll be an instant and then your body's like no okay the habit is there you wake up you shave you shower you head out you get your uniform on you fucking go out and you do your job and while you're there you're like yeah man okay i remember why i love this this is awesome but it's that that instant when you wake up and you're like fuck me i don't want to do this and it's getting over that that hump was where the habit is right you have to create the habit of getting over that hump because that hump's always going to be there and it is a uh it's a challenge for us because I'm, I'm a big guy, right? I'm 6'6 six, six at 220. I was a C9 gunner. I'm, I'm used to holding myself a certain way when I'm walking down the street, especially when we were patrolling overseas, right? You, you have to have this air of do not fuck with me. Period. I fucking love the nine carrying that yeah. thing overseas. It's like yeah. no greater uh, privilege, no. no heavier burden. Yeah. But when you let that thing rock, like everyone's <sighs> Yeah, when that thing sings, it's a fucking, it's a beautiful like harmony of life, right? Oh, it is. And I I got, uh, I got one of the best fire orders I've ever gotten was from an infantry sergeant. We were, uh, it's my first firefight and it's, it's a longer story, but the, the enemy were moving and I could tell by the rounds where they're like, I could hear the rounds starting that way and they started coming here and then they were about here. And I was just like, splashes, the snaps. And I was like, I was like, they're moving left on us. And we were in the center. And he's like, okay, well, you see that building? And I'm like, yeah. And it's like that corner of the building where the wall meets. And then I was like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. He's like, hammer it. <laughs> Roger <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah, so. And I think I put, it was like a 60 round burst into this little circle on top of this house. And then the round started. They were like, and then they went back off to the right. And I'm like. And like you talk about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, I can't talk about how much I love the machine gun. And like. Yeah just like the manifestation of when you're engaging and you know that first time that you've let that round out it's like it's that that check in the box that not all soldiers are privileged to know if they have it in them how they react when they come under fire how they engage in combat and there are people that have shit their pants and it's fucking hilarious because you know afterwards the body reacts differently and uh it's still like a passage of right that, you know, only a few people will know. And as much things that happen that people may look negatively towards what's happened through their experience in the forces overseas, I seen it as the ultimate privilege and a torch that we carried through from our forefathers and, you know, our great grandfathers, fathers and uncles going from the lineage from all those conflicts. When I became a soldier, 
that was my duty. I felt it, you know, an honor and a necessity to go overseas and deploy. And, you know, we don't have that opportunity these days so much, but, uh, you know, that first time going back to like engaging, I was so fucking scared. The first time I shot my, uh, C6. Yeah. Uh, I shot it into this truck and I uh, think it was only like one round that went and like I did everything right. I, I tried to warm them off and like did all the uh, warnings and yep. it was automatic. It happened like instinctually and then when you know you're fucking trained right then it comes automatic without even thinking. That's how you know you've been trained to a level so high and a standard that's so great that it just becomes automatic and then it also becomes easier after that. After the yep. first time you've done it, it gets easier every time to the point where I had like six fucking ROEs from Camp Nathan Smith to Cap is a little excessive, but uh, you know, sometimes you get a little bit uh, spun up, but yeah. it's like, it's the machine, right? When it starts moving, it's like really tough to rein yeah. it back in. It's just an uncaged beast. And yeah. Like, and what I love about them, especially is that they're, uh, they're, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother realm, right? Machine gunners yeah. are a special breed. You, you get a rifleman and you're sitting there and you're like, you're looking for the target and you're boom, 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 right? Yeah. And uh, when I was first described machine gun theory and the fact that it was, <clears throat> it's a suppression weapon. It's not meant to kill people in terms of, I'm going to shoot that guy and then I'm going to shoot that guy. And then like, that's not how machine guns work. That's not what they're supposed to do. And <clears throat> the one thing that really caught my my attention on it was the fact it, that it requires a a level of responsibility that most people don't, even in the military, don't have. You know, like mortarmen are the same kind of deal, right? Like people's lives depend on that weapon system. Especially if that gun goes down. It's the yep. ultimate shame, right? It's like fucking dishonor if you can't yep. get that thing back up. And I, I um, use it in the same way I look at life too, though. Because as a machine gunner, it's your responsibility. You make up 40% of your sections, right? You make sure that gun is running and make sure that you can suppress the enemy if necessary at any given time. And then I was also an engineer, right? So I got a a load of fucking C4 in my backpack. I got the nine on my front. You're the most dangerous individual. I was just like, you know, if shit goes down, I'm good to go. But I also knew, like I had to have talks with my, my fire team butter. Like it was like, Okay, if shit goes down, we need charges, right? I have charges on me. I'm going to give you my gun. And that thing has to keep going while the charges go because I can't shoot and work charges at the same time. And he was a rifleman. He's like, yeah, cool. I'll sling my weapon, blah, blah, blah. We'll be good to go. But I needed my partner to be as good as me on the nine. But I was also taking it as a responsibility. So when I look at life, I look at my kids. I look at my family. I look at my my friends and my community. And it's like, I need, I still need to be that nine gunner. I need to cover the flanks. I need to make sure that these guys are good to go so they can carry on. Right. And that's just the way it is because it's that burden. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, uh, but it's also a privilege, right? Yeah, exactly. And the, the first day in SQ, they were like, this is the C9. I was like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Give me <laughs> that's that for me it's got yeah. 30 rounds give me that fucking yeah thing. and that's what they were like okay but you know understand your responsibility because it's up to you when the shit goes south everyone's gonna look to you and i was like roger that i'm good to go let's fucking let's give her and then i carried the nine right up until i became a master corporal and they took it away from me and i was like Son of a bitch 
<laughs> I hated the day they took that away from me. But become an officer, it's even more frustrating when you're trying to fucking, you know, you're running a range and you want to keep your marksmanship badge, but they make you lose all that shit. So yeah. it's like, it's a privilege to, you know, get the next wave of warriors ready, but it's also one of those things that you, you always miss where you came from. You're never yeah. going to forget your time as a machine gunner and the uh, privilege and responsibility that you carry with you. Like that's the whole mentality of how we run our lives and operate our companies. It's to yeah. protect and overwatch, you know, the community. So I think it's the same, um, you know, the same with the challenge, the same with this podcast. The whole reason I started was like, we got, we got so much knowledge out there and yet we're not sharing it with each other. How do we share it with each other? Well, the medium is here. Yeah. Well, the medium is here. I'm here. I can carry conversation on. <laughs> Let's offer it, offer it to the world, right? Just here it is. If you well, want that's it. That's the great take thing it. about your podcast. Like you're doing a great thing here and these tools. I love how it seems to be picking up from each one. It carries on. You got that inertia going again. Mm -hmm. And I think for anybody listening that's potentially the next person coming on listen to the last five podcasts so you bring forward that conversation let's carry this torch move it forward and uh let's create a legacy for this next generation of warriors and our our family and our children to understand the mindset of where we became it would be it would be such a trip to think of my son listening to this podcast i have no idea like the reaction that he would get from it but uh yeah you know, we wanted to know that uh, everything we did was with the right intent. When we took up, uh, you know, arms against the enemy, it was the intent was pure and mm -hmm. it was to defend our country and to reestablish stability in a community that was ravaged. And what we know internationally, what we do really well and are known for is that relationships that we build with other nations. And I think we have a great legacy to be proud of in Afghanistan and hopefully it sustains, you know, to change a nation. It needs a generation of at, sustainability. At least. Oh. <laughs> at, least. at least. Yeah. yeah. I always so, said we needed at least three generations of kids to grow up without war. You're right. Before anything was going to happen. And I was looking at Afghanistan, like this is going to take 20, 30, probably 40 years. And I was thinking like, not only my kids probably going to come here, his kids are probably going to show up as like the finishing troops. Right. And it should be that way because you're trying to deliver something. It's the same thing we're doing, right. It's the same thing we're doing in the community where right? we're taking the spark and saying here, <laughs> right. It doesn't, I could give it to anybody and somebody could run with it and be like fucking good to go. And I never have to see them uh, fail again. They're going to kick ass for the rest of their life. Other people, they're going to pick it up. They're going to drop it. They're going to kick dirt on it. They're going to pick it up again. They're going to throw it over their shoulder. They're going to sell it to somebody else. Like, but that's, that's the challenge. That is what we're trying to accomplish, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you're starting a fire with wet wood, it's going to suck. It's going to be hard. And it's not going to work for a long, long time. You need dry stuff. You need, um, you need to actually take the time to get the right embers to burn long enough to dry out the wood to actually burn it. And that it is a the right resources process. to make that change. Exactly. And I would say you could probably, I would think you might probably agree with this. The mentality you had going into Afghanistan is not the same one you had going out. I went in a small town country farm boy, Christian upbringing. I really fundamentally believe that 
you know, Muslims were my enemy. And then uh, I went over there and I fell in love with the country. I loved the people there. I loved helping them out. And I fought, you know, shoulder to shoulder. We both uh, sweat and some of us bled for that country. And my understanding about humanity and just what I thought, I completely blew open my mind about what the understanding and humanity of it all is and the passion that the Afghans have for their country and the diversity and inclusion aspect. Like it really opened my aspect towards faith and one God, but really that uh, we all need to eat and sitting down with the Afghan soldiers and police that I worked with and trained, having bread with them every day, understanding their culture was a huge honor. And, uh, you know, we never took up arms unless it was a direct threat against us or we engaged. Often there'd be RPGs before we knew what was happening. A couple <laughs> rockets, you know, maybe some mortars if you're fucking in uh, fucking Wilson, you know, yeah. it just came in. But uh, in the end, like a lot of people don't probably know this about me. I actually worked at the embassy of Afghanistan in Ottawa. Oh, wow. And I really, uh, I really respected, you know, the work that the, they were doing at the embassy in the country I got to know the history and the proud heritage they have. And, you know, when you think about the history and civilizations that have gone through there, like we came in pretty aggressive and some of us, you know, it's very like, it's a different mentality that I came back with and to find yeah. peace again is a journey that's been a complete full circle and my understanding, and it continues to reflect in how I operate as a soldier and also an employee with the power company that I work with full time, I'm very open and understanding of different cultures and the diversity and inclusion aspect is such an important aspect. I think yep. of the Canadian forces, like we, we are not a perfect machine. The green machine will chew up and spit people out, but in the fabric yep. of it, we're a society of individuals. We're a microcosm of really what we see in Canada for me, there was no racism going into the forces or harassment because everybody was equally worthless. Going through yeah. basic, you proved your worth. But my brothers and sisters were people I was in the trenches with, and I made the best friends. Skin color, that meant nothing. We're all fucking green, and we all rely on each other. Sex yeah. doesn't matter. We're getting like attacked or whatever task we have. If somebody can't carry that load we shared amongst each other yeah. but what matters is attitude and mindset everybody puts in 100 percent. they help out their brother and sisters and you know they just do what they can and i think the forces the big thing for me it was a family and it still yeah. is and that's probably why i love it so much that i haven't gotten out and the other half is that i've got so much fucking kit probably not accounted for i'm never getting out <laughs> we'll never get it that so, you know that's one I, of the it's one of the weirdest things, seriously, when I had to hand all my kid in, it was one of the <laughs> weirdest feelings imaginable. And, it, you know, they go in there like, fuck, yes, I get to get rid of this shit. I get to get rid of yeah. this shit. And I, yeah, fine. And as it goes away, you're like, I am never going to see any of this again. Well, yeah, back oh, in the shit. day, you know, like, <laughs> if you had a checked out X Airborne CQ, you could give a bottle of rye to, you might write off a few items yeah. that you forgot. But nowadays, things have changed. A little so, bit. I don't know what I do. Like I actually almost got out twice. And uh, again, I've gone through a mental journey where I'm not the same person. I was a negative 
uh, depressed individual, very anxious, which is something I still deal with every day is the anxiety. But uh, I've really changed my mindset and uh, it's been beneficial to work on that attitude and basically acknowledge where that ego is one of the biggest weaknesses where you think you're comfortable and you get comfortable with just being where you are resting on your laurels. Yep. You're going to get slapped in the face or even worse. You won't even know what you're missing out on in life when you sit back with your arms crossed over your chest and that negative mentality mindset or that inability to forgive people is just going to burn you. And yep. that's a flame that you hold too close, that anger that oh. burns deep and it just hurts and hollows you up from the inside. So to get yep. over that, you need to first get over yourself and kick yep. your ass. Like I think true Patriot love has been one of those things that have really, really humbled me. And uh, in 2012, I did a climb with them, an expedition to the Himalayas. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And in fact, maybe it brought me close to death. At one point I felt sort of out of body as I was getting to the uh, base camp of Everest. I actually had to turn back. I was too exhausted and about to pass out in high altitude, but I did make it uh, to the peak of Island Peak where we shot the documentary. And, you know, at 21,350 feet, you have few, you know, comfortabilities. You're in thin air. But when I was going up that peak, I had Frank DePere in front of me. He's an uh, Afghan veteran, feisty French Canadian. Basically, he looks like French Canadian Scarface. Yeah. He was blown up by uh, a suicide bomber two meters away from him, lost four liters of blood and uh, suffered a stroke immediately. Frank's on the line. He's got maybe 60% strength on one side of his body, missing an eye. He's fucking giving her. Below me is Craig Taranjo. He's lost a hand from, uh, he's the, one of the first uh, commandos in with the hill. And uh, he's below me. Frank's above me. I'm not fucking giving up. Like, those were like, <laughs> I had a lot of unique opportunities to work with giants. And I will never forget the privilege and the honor to learn lessons from people that have humbled me and that I'm honored to call, you know, my friends and brother. And uh, those experiences have really basically just, it's a daily thing of what you're taking with you each day. And where you're at today is basically how you're moving forward tomorrow. You really have to be focusing on what are you doing today to keep yourself healthy and moving and also helping others. Like you yep. need to expand that mindset. So one of the things that I learned very quickly on um, <clears throat> uh, when I took my BMO course was uh, when you get to the top of the hill or you get to the top of the rope, you turn around, you reach back and you help that person up the line and then you move and then they do the same thing. And it's, I think there's a, it's almost a stigma about, you know, helping, be, you know, helping others or um, being around to reach back and help those guys in that it's a, like, it's a charity kind of thing. And it's really not. It's, you know, the hand is there, right? If you yeah. need it, take it. If you don't, cool, I'm going to move on. And, you know, humility is such a, we've, I think we've harped on that a few times now today. It is a, it is a requirement. If you want to be better, you have to recognize there's a problem. And I said that in the, the inertia podcast, I've said it pretty much every podcast I've done so far, uh, is that it is so important. And, you know, I, I looked at jujitsu for it because 
Oh, nothing more humbling Man. than getting in lock. <laughs> getting those joints were fucking right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I love it so much because you have to, it is totally um, centering, right? You, you have to be 100%. Your mind is all on this person. Otherwise you're, you know, you're done. And if balance, it, right? You don't yep. lose that balance. You're done. You got to keep that you know, center of gravity. And yeah. you think about the small pivots, how big of a deal that makes on the mat, uh, gee or no gee, you're fucking ass on the grass. Once you make one mistake, it's a chess game. That's yeah. so fucking complex and fast. Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking trip. I heard it described best. It was, um, trying to play chess while solving a Rubik's cube while trying <laughs> to be drowned by a Jaguar. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty we much. Did. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> there's yeah. uh, there's no, there's no mess around. And the other, so it's not only is it centering, it's exhausting. It is claustrophobic. It is um, humbling. It is powerful. It is static. Like if the the moves will work, if you yeah. do the move right, it will work. If you know, and then and the the minutia of it. Oh man, the, I don't know why I love the minutia of it, but it's like you can do a particular move and it doesn't quite feel right. And you move your hip like three millimeters and you're like, Oh, fucking boom, right. there it is. And speaking from experience, uh, the pride to tap out will avoid certain wrist and arm tendon injuries for you rookies out there. You don't fucking tap. You'll be stuck <laughs> like left hand hat. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it like, that's, a, this is the, the, the dichotomy of jujitsu. If you tap, <laughs> you train more right (laughs) you have to tap more to train more so really tap and to yeah but just getting over that ego of like no i'm not giving this up i'm not giving this up okay there it is yeah okay i'm giving this up yeah yeah there we go go way worse right there's a hundred different ways to go worse oh uh, man i love the analogy of martial arts you could talk about that all day and tie it into you know life in so many ways it's yeah and like uh white belt versus a a black belt or even a purple belt or a brown belt, everybody's equal on the mats and yep. should be given equal respect. There's a lesson to be learned from everyone entering the dojo under that mat and they check the rego and you respect each other. It is a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's a beautiful analogy of life. Yeah. Really. It really is. And, and it's it like the respect is there, but the skill level is there also. Right. Like, a brown belt will respect a white belt for coming in. They're like, fuck yeah, man. You keep coming in, you can get here eventually. If And the black belts look at all the, the blue belts and they're like, fuck yeah, man. Just, you know, you you're get, you have the base concepts of it. Just keep going. You're, you'll make it. Yeah. But, and, but, you but know, the, that skill level is still there, right? A blue belt versus a black belt. That black belt's going to fucking, he's going to tune your day. No totally. question. You know, another word of wisdom, if a fucking Patricia looks at you and asks if you're wearing a cup, don't say fucking no. You'll get, you'll get fucking in the no right away. I went and bought myself one the next class right yeah. away. I still don't use yeah. one. I still, I don't know how oh, many times man. I've been hit. I still don't use one. It's so bad. Anyway, we've been, we've been chatting for a little over an hour. Well, actually quite a bit over an hour here, but um, you got any, uh, any final points before we sign off this? Yeah, well, we talk about tool for the toolbox. You know, what do we do to arm ourselves or what what tool can I impart? Can we impart together with this discussion? And I think uh, the general theme here for those listeners to take away is 
Um, I would say my key tool for the toolbox is a positive mental mindset. And you have to be happy with unwavering optimism from project to project that you go embrace failure. It will learn and teach you lessons that are often more beneficial than what you'd get from just succeeding. So learn the lesson, everything and set realistic goals and action them. Set those realistic goals, know exactly what you want to attain. Don't bother looking at other people, focus on yourself, look inwards into what you truly want and, you know, approach things with uh, a plus minus mindset where if you need to take away or add something, get that right equilibrium, think asset versus liability, right? You know, a lot of people get very wrong in what brings value to their life and what doesn't really boil that down, have that minimalist approach, which is really what we were trying to do with that 30 day reset yep. is boil down what's the key optimum mindset and lifestyle that you want to incorporate. You have, it's day nine now, we have what, 21 more chances to get this right, to basically give yourself that tool for the rest of the year to go forward and do and achieve those things you want. And also I would say, True happiness is experiences and keeping things simple yeah. versus expensive things, <clears throat> comparing yourself to others. You're not going to be happy comparing yourself to others. And then talking about the toxicity effects. So alcohol, too much food, the food that you put in your body, you know, let thy food be thy medicine, thy medicine be thy food. And then social media in the right context, beneficial, but too much not beneficial, looking in the wrong directions just doesn't get you in the right mindset of where you're going and focus where your feet are at. That's definitely a key lesson to take and impart. And uh, really, I want to thank you, Chance, for being able to, it's really uh, motivated me and inspired me to keep fighting and moving on. And it validates what we're doing out there, right? So you're doing a great thing. Don't fucking stop. Like, you know, my mentors have told me about my company that I built. Don't ever fucking stop. Yeah. And it's so key. And uh, I really appreciate those people that have helped me get to where I am. And if anybody sees this as a successful endeavor, if you look at me and think it's because of my own actions, it's not. I've only become who I am by listening and watching other people and taking the advice that they give, digesting it and implementing where I felt it fit. And I really do want to thank those out there helping and those that are looking for help and struggling know that there is help out there and we're available and we do love you. So reach out. Absolutely. You know, it is, first off, it is absolutely my pleasure having you here because this has been a fantastic conversation <laughs> and um, it has been just so much fun talking about this stuff to you. And I couldn't agree more. And I would add on one point to that, which is, don't be afraid to pivot, right? Like you can, you got, you know, laser focus. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to yes. get it done. Shit happens, right? Be aware of that. Shit will happen. If you need to push, a, you know, you need to push a date. You need to um, readjust or reassess. Like, you, you know, from if you're shooting and you're coming up on a target, you're not just going to walk through the open. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, shit, I need yeah. to reload. Stand there and be like, don't get focused on that one target concentric no, battle. Exactly. You got to move around. You got to stop. Oh, I need to reload, take cover, reload, come back up, engage start. Like there's so many allegories for the, from the military oh, to regular life. Yeah. It's just mind blowing. But 
yeah, don't be afraid to pivot because that you have to be able to do that in order to be successful because you're, you know, you're going to hit a wall. There's going to be COVID. There's going to be an economic recession. There might be another war, you know, like shit happens. Be aware of that and just stay attuned to your goal. I got it in my head. Okay. What do I do right now? As you said, you know, you got, look at your feet. This is the direction I'm going. Keep going because you can get there. Everybody can, right? It doesn't take a whole lot. You just got to keep working, grind it out every day. Keep working on it. It's so, so important. But again, super happy to have you on here. Do you have any, uh, for social media wise, if they're watching this and don't have you on social media, how do they follow you, find you, all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Mad Hatter Industries, one word is how you find us on Instagram. You can also look at our website, uh, madhatterindustries.ca. And uh, yeah, those people are interested in other resources. Definitely check out Crooked Clubhouse, anything motorcycle related, Memphis Shades. If you are looking for, uh, you know, mechanics in the area, Black Horse Customs, great work. And uh, all those great veteran companies, you know, we got some great, great veteran companies. So first and foremost, you think of Dave Ward from Bush Wookie, ATAC with their knives. Oh man, they got great knives. It. Great. And uh, really passionate people. Like just, they're the ones quietly working away, putting in the work, getting it done. And, uh, you know, other podcasts, we got, uh, you know, Honey Badger Alliance. We got Dave Morrow and then Giselle's up and coming. And support those new brands coming out. Uh, Sean Arniston's uh, Bad Mofo Co. Let's see, uh, give those Ruby uh, hoodies a chance. I know you uh, Calgary boys love riding in the cold in your bikes. So no better friend uh, out in the field, right, than a Ruby. Oh, man, those things are so warm. I still have mine. I mean, I returned mine. (laughs) Yeah, I totally returned mine. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Uh, Yeah, anyway. That's, it's fantastic. One of the things I love about, especially this podcast is that I get to learn stuff every time and I get to talk to really cool people about really deep philosophical stuff while still talking about machine guns and blowing shit up. (laughs) What's more philosophical than a right well, exactly well, yeah it is a uh it is an allegory man i used to r- strip my c9 down to way farther than i was supposed to be allowed to but <laughs> i did not have sausages yeah period as long as that fucking spring still goes back in there's no parts left no harm no foul <laughs> yeah i actually lost one of my little <laughs> the the little c clamp that holds your feed trays uh uh what the heck was that called uh gotta work the whole thing down in my head now because it's gonna bug me anyway doesn't matter i lost one of those and luckily enough uh one of the other machine guns was broken and was headed into the uh, sq so i jacked that little c-clamp <laughs> threw it in mine real quick but yeah i figured it out real fast anyway i can't thank you enough brother this has been a fantastic conversation i really appreciate everything you've said and everything you've done not only for the walk for me for the group, for the community. You are kicking ass, and uh, I can't thank you enough, man. Well, the honor's all mine, brother, and I'll make sure to keep that theme of pivoting is required. Like, that's, you you just keep doing what you're doing. I love this podcast, and for those that aren't doing it, we're definitely going to share and make sure there are people subscribing to this because there are important knowledge lessons to learn and impart to the future generation of warriors, and 
those older warriors that are listening, you know, lessons for all. Yep, absolutely. That concludes this episode of The Toolbox. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered. I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Chimo.